a lifestyle. Sports cards and we live now. Jeremy Lee in the building and every guest that you ever needed. Sports cards after hours keep the hobby heated. Updates hobby talk like you never seen it. Sports cards live and I could ever beat it. Sports cards is a lifestyle. Sports cards and we live now. Welcome to another episode of Sports Cards Live with your host, Jeremy Lee. All right, everybody, welcome to episode number 137 of Sports Cards Live. It is Saturday night, April the 23rd, 2022, and my name is Jeremy Lee. I want to thank Adam Gray and Eric Myers for joining us last week for the PWCC Premier Auction coverage. Check that out. It is living on the YouTube channel. Later tonight, after this show, I will be doing After Hours, where I'm going to review the Edmonton Expo, share my cards that are selling tomorrow night on the PWCC Weekly Auction, and I'm also going to open up a box of Upper Decks Goodwin Champions from 2021. I may also show off my new Mike Medano PC. Check that out later on tonight on the channel. Tomorrow on Collectible Live, my guest will be Jack Settlement of SnapX Sports. And next Saturday on this show, our guest will be Mike Geo of Sports Cards Nonsense. We're going to find out what he is up to. I want to shout out channel supporter Whatnot. Check out their app for group breaks, one-minute auctions, and buy it now is around the clock, hosted by some of the best breakers in the hobby. Also, happy and still proud to announce new channel sponsor, Center Stage App. Download the app in the App Store. Whether you are looking for quick comps, strolling around a card show, or pricing your own cards, if you are a vendor, the app is continuously improving. So join me in supporting these hobbypreneurs as they endeavor to make the hobby even better than it already is. Sport Card Expo in Toronto, June 2nd to 5th. I cannot wait. I'll be there. The Edmonton show last weekend was absolutely amazing. Go to sportcardexpo.com for details. Also, shout out the Hobbies Middleman Service Trade Safe, your risk-free alternative for trades and buy-sells on any peer-to-peer marketplace or social media platform. We've created a service, a process, and a team that makes remote dealing safer than ever before check out tradesafehub.com i want to thank all subscribers viewers and podcast listeners if you are not yet subscribed to the channel please take a second and do so as always your comments and questions are in play tonight let's get to it let's bring out tonight's guest they found a way to tokenize sports cards and other collectibles for fractionalized investing and collecting that is open to everyone i believe internationally they will let us more about that Let's bring out Robin, sorry, Ryan Bahadori. We have Karn Rai and we have Amin McDell joining us from Liquid Marketplace. Fellas, good evening. Welcome to the show. Ryan, how are you tonight? Fantastic. Thank you so much, Jeremy. I appreciate it and uh, happy yeah. to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. Amin, how are you? Not bad. Thanks for having us. Appreciate you, Jeremy. Bet. You bet, Amin. And Karn, welcome back. This is your third or fourth time being, being on the show. It was good, good to see you last weekend in Edmonton. Welcome back, my friend. Yeah, it's good to be back. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's get in. Let's get into this because Liquid Marketplace. Uh, I mean, you guys teased the concept a little bit over the past few months. You've yeah. launched. You've launched really with a with a with a bang. You've got some great marketing plans in play. You've launched some some offerings on the platform. Uh, you actually had a wonderful display at the Mint Collective last month in Las Vegas. I got that's where I got my my Liquid Marketplace T-shirt yeah. from. Was uh, was proud to to proud to wear this tonight for you guys and uh and you had a great display you guys were there showing off what it is that you're doing we're going to get into that i know that the, the audience will have a lot of questions so we'll get to all of that before we do we're going to start with your little bit quick about your history in the hobby before you do i just want to welcome we got lapper in the house 
Lapper, we are going to get to your question from earlier. Frank, good evening to you. Miggy got hit number 3,000. Say way to go. Brian Gray in the house. What is up, BG? Jake Dahl, welcome to the show. KD Collectibles. Slab Strong Tim, good to see you, buddy. What's up with you? We'll let more people funnel their way into the show tonight. But let's start, Ryan. Let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about your history in the hobby. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I've been collecting basically my whole life. Uh, never really slowed down. Started with Pogs, Crazy Bones. Uh, slowly worked my way up into hockey cards, uh, Pokemon cards, basically any card. And then it kind of led into my adult life. I now have a really strong hockey collection, basketball collection. Uh, my life is ingrained in, ingrained in the hobby. And, and that's how I met, you know, individuals like Karn and, and then other people that we work with. And, you know, I'm very, very immersed uh, definitely into the hobby and have been my whole life. I know exactly what that's like, uh, Ryan. Let's hear from you, Amin. How about your hobby history in a nutshell? Yeah, I'm a huge TCG collector. I specifically remember when uh, I was in the third grade, uh, I got my pack of Pokemon cards. And from there, I just like loved collecting it. In high school, I was a huge Magic Gathering like fan. Uh, right before then, I was super into Yu-Gi-Oh! But yeah, like I love, the, I love the hobby. I love TCG. I can't get enough of it. Right on. And Karn, I mean, a lot of people know you from the Big Three Hockey on Instagram already. But uh, how about a bit about you and your history? Yeah, actually, Ryan brought me back when he said Crazy Bones. Crazy <laughs> Bones is a classic. And that's what I mean as a kid. Like, I, I've always had that collector mentality. And I used to collect Crazy Bones. I used to collect all that stuff. I used to collect Harry Potter books and obviously hockey cards. And uh, hockey is kind of uh, my bread and butter. And uh, that's what I enjoy collecting the most. Cool. All right. Good. Well, good to learn a bit about you guys and sort of what brings you to, to launching Liquid Marketplace. So let's just start off with what I think, you know, might be the most obvious question here. And uh, I'm not sure if this is a good one for Ryan or Amin, but really, what is Liquid Marketplace? What's the business model that you guys are endeavoring to uh, to share with the hobby? Absolutely. So, I mean, it's, it's really just making everyone feel like they're a part of something. We really want everyone to feel like they have a place on Liquid Marketplace, giving them an opportunity to own assets they'd never have an opportunity to, you know, giving anyone just a portion of that ownership, genuine co-ownership interest in these assets. And, you know, what, what better way than taking advantage of technology that is now in play, crypto technology, tokenization, you know, being able to fractionalize ownership through tokens, on the smart contract on blockchain making everything very transparent i think it just kind of makes sense to me uh with the way technology in the world is headed this was kind of the next step for for ownership and that's really what liquid marketplace is about we want everyone to feel equal there we're really trying to level a playing field and give everyone an opportunity to own anything that's okay. kind of in a nutshell so so you know i'm i'm really familiar with uh fractionalized ownership in the hobby i do work with collectible i've worked in in land banking which is uh fractionalized uh, or syndicated land investment. So the one thing that I think sets liquid marketplace apart from traditional fractionalization or syndication is that you're not you're not purchasing, let's say, a share of the of the asset or the in, in we'll talk cards in this uh, in this environment, but you're not purchasing a share of the card itself with you guys. You're actually purchasing nor nor with other guys actually, but but we'll stick to you you're actually purchasing a token that is attached to the underlying asset. Correct. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. And based on that token smart contract, you have genuine co-ownership interest in that direct collectible or asset. Um, so, I mean, simply put, you know, a share or stock is an equity interest in a corporation, which is based on the values, profits and losses um, of that of that company. And that's considered a security. Um, very, very easily put on liquid marketplace. You, you are 
owning a, an interest in that hard asset and, and the interest is represented on a token and that's through the smart contract there. So you're not buying a share, you're not buying securities, you're not buying you know shares in a random company that owns that asset and, and you're just simply going along for the ride. You're a genuine owner uh, along with other people. And what, as an owner of that token, what can I do with that token? What are my options once, once I go through the, the uh, subscription process on your platform? So, I mean, right at the offering, which is basically the initial point of sale, when let's say, for example, Jeremy, you bring an asset onto our platform, the co-owners, you know, the users on the platform buy directly off of you. At that point, you know, you're free to take these tokens off Liquid Marketplace and store them in your old third, port, uh, third party cold storage wallet, or you can leave them on Liquid Marketplace's platform. We work with one of the best custodians on the planet. They're called Fireblocks. Uh, you guys can take a look at who they are. They work with some of the biggest exchanges around the world. Uh, they work with banks. They work with a lot of government agencies. They're really, really huge established business. Uh, we've partnered with them and we work with them as well. So you can keep them on Liquid Marketplace, which is stored within Fireblocks, or you can pull them off into a third party wallet that you own. Okay, so then how, how do you guys, if I pull it off to a third party uh, wallet, where I'm storing my my crypto, my NFTs, et cetera, yeah. and I sell it to somebody else on that platform. Does Liquid Marketplace know about this? Do you care about that? How does that? How do you track the owners of the assets or the collectibles that you are uh, that you're offering? So you're saying that if someone were to uh, remove the tokens off the platform and then sell it to someone privately from their wallet to the other person's wallet, yeah, they're free to do that. They can actually do whatever they want. Um, but now, if it comes down to and I'm sure we'll get to this later on, but if it comes down to the users voting to auction that collectible off our platform, or they accept a buyout request because the users are in control. Liquid Marketplace makes no investment decisions for any of our users. We make no decisions for the users, period, regarding those assets. The co-owners control the asset in every way of the word in terms of you know deciding when it sells, for how much it sells, by what means it sells. So if, for example, you were to remove your tokens off the platform and you sold them privately to somebody, but then collectively the users decide to sell it on the platform, that money, once you put the tokens back onto the platform, is when you would get paid out. So you wouldn't get paid out, you know, privately. We wouldn't airdrop you money. You would have to bring those tokens back to the platform to get that respective payout from either the auction or the buyout being accepted. So you can do whatever you want with the tokens, but in order for you to actually monetize on them, you'd have to bring them back onto the platform and then kind of trade them in. So this this decentralized feature that you're explaining is, uh, and let's face it, in in the in the world today with digital digital currency and digital collectibles, there's a lot of catchphrases, a lot of lingo that a lot of people probably don't know yet, including some of the audience of this show, Absolutely. is that you know, decentralization isn't a foreign term, but it, it, it may not be well understood by everybody in the context of what we're talking about here being a digital collectible or digital investment. So can you just speak to how, de how the decentralized nature of liquid marketplaces offerings set you apart from say some other uh, fractionalized interests? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, when you have everything on a token, that token, you know, everything is recorded about where that token was removed, who, who transacted it, where it was moved to, how it went back to the platform, everything. Everything's really recorded very transparently on the blockchain. Anyone is free to take a look at that 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 transaction or take a look at that, that contract. Um, that's something that you don't really have with traditional, you know, securities, for example, or shares or things like that. There's no real... Uh, tracking mechanism in place, you know, 
where anyone can tap into. It's really monitored or controlled by by one person or one entity. With with tokenization, you're able to interact with these things that you can't on, on a traditional sense. So I think it just provides an extra layer of transparency, an extra layer of security. You know, no one can hack your ownership. No one can steal it from you. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of benefits to it, but really it's, I think it's the transparency, the safety, and just how much faster every, everything is on, on the blockchain. Perfect. Okay. So, I mean, I want to ask you a question now from a tech perspective, again, coming back to the, the, just the situation where a lot of this is new to a lot of people, you know, we've all heard about NFTs. We've heard about crypto. We've heard about blockchain. Now we're hearing about tokens and tokenization. I mean, can you explain how those various, uh, those various concepts relate and fit into liquid marketplace and the hobby overall i just feel like a lot of people may not understand what block how blockchain relates to nft how it relates to, to tokenization how it relates to crypto and how it all relates to, to liquid marketplace can you sort of give us a, a a quick lesson on how these things all fit together yeah no problem so blockchain is just more of a concept and it's more of an architecture about how this whole type of technology stack works Right. So you're looking at Ethereum, you're talking about Bitcoin, you're talking about Solana. These are different types of blockchains and different types of uh, technology stacks that perform certain types of functions or have certain type of functionality. An NFT is part of the blockchain and stands for a non-fungible token, something that doesn't have disability to it. You can't fractionalize an NFT. It's just one thing and lives as one thing. Tokenization is the concept of being able to tokenize um, really anything, right? Being able to create digital tokens uh, as a representation of either something physical, digital, or whatever else you want to talk about. When it comes to Liquid Marketplace, we are a technology company that so happens to use the blockchain. And we so happen to use the Ethereum blockchain uh, because it's the most widely used. It's one of the best in class so far, and it has a lot of features that we want. However, we're not married to any sort of one blockchain, but we're just using it for now as it's like, you know, one of the better ones used. It has the technologies we need and it fits within what we're trying to do. Okay. No, I, th I think that that helps kind of tie it all together. It's still abstract to, to, to myself and a bunch of others. I, I've studied the blockchain, so I have an understanding of how it works in terms of hash codes and i think they're called hash codes if i remember and all that sort of thing but i'm definitely uh less than a novice when it comes to it so um but i have done a little bit of research and i just think that um that it's nice to at least be able to have people somewhat understand what it is we're talking about when it comes to these concepts this is mostly a sports card show but you guys are offering sports cards on your platform tokenizing these things and we're calling it an asset sorry yeah an asset backed token so who wants to explain that concept to us yeah, I, I can take it away um so i mean it, it's it's really quite simple the the assets that are that are backed behind the tokens you know these assets are removed off of the market they're not free trading out there they're not held by any one person these assets that are on liquid marketplace and these tokens that are created these assets are stored in vaults this fault is, is, you know, monitored securities in place, cameras, you know, the whole nine yards there. Uh, the vault is fully insured, uh, but we'll, we'll get to that at a later point, I'm sure. So by removing that asset off the market, you have an ability to now take a representation of it in tokens 
create a smart contract very specific to that specific asset down to its identifying marks, down to damage, down to, you know, it's PSA grade or it's BGS grade, whatever, it's serial number, everything, and tied into the smart contract where now you owning one single token based on that smart contract directly ties to that asset that's off the market and in the vault. So that's the whole basic and an idea behind an asset back token. Uh, there's really nothing too complicated about it. It's as easy as it sounds. That token genuinely is backed by this asset removed off the market. And, and it's down to every single detail about that specific asset. So it's sort of like the old gold standard in the, up until the end of the sixties there, right? Yes. Where where your your fee your currency was actually backed by met precious that you could go exchange your your correct your, your currency for now we can exchange our token well we can't really exchange our token for the asset for the asset underlying it because we only own a piece of that but so you exchange it for a portion of of ownership interest so you have a say in it exactly and, and a portion of the proceeds upon the ultimate disposition by the whole syndicate exactly correct right okay that makes sense all right i'm going to go to the comments for a minute and then we're going to get into some more questions here uh, daniel busby good evening uh thank you for the reminder to hit the like button we got julian and else what is up with you hits and chicks hello hello all valley collectibles dr says could jeremy tokenize his show now a legit question could i could i uh, um, yeah tokenizing um the jeremy lee show this this uh, sports card live show Absolutely. Yeah, you could tokenize it. Uh, but I think that might actually become a security then. Because uh, okay. I think you probably have profits, you have losses, you'd be able to give people like, you know, revenue back. Uh, so yeah, this might be turned into security. All right. Well, <laughs> if we ever get there, maybe we can offer it on, on Liquid Marketplace. <laughs> Too funny. Lapper wants to know, is it a proprietary token? No, it's not. So proprietary security tokens are not what we're using. It's a utility token or a commodity token even. And what, what does that all mean? So there's there's three different types of tokens. You have your proprietary security tokens, uh, you have utility tokens, and then you have commodity tokens. Commodity tokens are basically what they sound, you know, gold. If you were to tokenize gold, that would be a commodity token. Some could argue that collectibles or art are considered commodities as well, where, where that could be the token. Or utility token, meaning by holding the token, it gives you access to certain utilities or functions or benefits. I would believe ours is a mix of both. I think they're kind of a tie of a commodity token with a utility token. There's a lot of benefits and perks that the user gets while owning these tokens by having that ownership. There's a lot of utility behind it. Uh, people are able to join events, uh, gain access to rare things, different perks, a, a, lot of, a lot of cool stuff on our platform that provides a lot of utility behind the token. Um, but no, proprietary security tokens are basically securitized, uh, sorry, tokenized securities. So, you know, now companies going public, they're, they're doing a security token offering where instead of issuing shares, you're issuing tokens of a corporation and then you sell those tokens. Uh, very different functions uh, along the path. Proprietary tokens, Jeremy, simply put, are, are your traditional stock, essentially, but digitized, like a digitized stock, um, whereas ours are more utility-driven and, and commodity-driven. Okay, well, that, that makes sense. Thanks for that. Jeff McMahon, good evening. Rest in peace, Guy Lafleur, hockey legend. One of one, welcome to the show, Albert Jones. Hello to you. And DR says, how close are NFTs to ETFs? I mean, not really close at all, are they? No, completely different. Okay, let's leave that one there. I want to, I want to bring Karn in because, um, you know, I want to talk a bit about the team, Ryan, and the inception of the Liquid Marketplace. So can you just take us through the, again, the inception, the aha moment and how you went to build out the team? 
Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, um, kind of a, kind of a fun story. So, uh, I'd bought a card at the time. This is maybe two, I don't know, maybe two and a half years ago. I don't, I don't remember the exact date at, at the time. Yeah. At the time it was, uh, $150,000 card. Uh, I shared it with him in, uh, I showed him what it was. I said, look, this, this is where I think the market's going. I explained it to him, you know, benefits, this, that, uh, I showed him the size, everything. And then, and he was kind of blown away with, with how much the market has grown over the past couple of years. Um, and then, you know, he, he'd said something that kind of dawned on both of us kind of at the same time, even, um, he had said, you know, if there was a way for me to buy, you know, $10,000 worth of this card or a thousand dollars, and then when you sold it, I would get my money back or respective amount, whatever you sold, you know, I'd be interested in something like that. And we thought, well, why can't we design a platform that does exactly this, that levels a playing field that gives everyone an equal opportunity to put a hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, $10,000, whatever they want into these traditionally unobtainable assets and give them, you know, ownership of it fractionally. And, and I mean, this, this concept is not unheard of, you know, I've bought cards with Karn, I've bought cards with a min and Karn, I've bought cards with four or five other guys. And, and this is something that's really ingrained in the hobby. And, and there's really no difference here. We're just doing it on a larger scale. So instead of a group of five, 10 buddies, why not open this up to a group of a thousand people on a platform? And, and I really don't see a difference. And, and that's kind of what liquid marketplace is. And as long as we provide a fair field where everyone is heard and everyone has a, an opportunity to, to say yes or no, I think, I think this really works and it, it just makes sense. That was kind of the inception of it. And then at that point we brought the idea to Logan at the time, you know, I'd, I'd done a couple of, you know, not deals sure. with him. I've, I've spoken. So oh. I'm sorry, Ryan, let's just expand on who Logan is. Oh, for sure. So um, uh, Logan Paul is our, is our third co-founder. It was myself, Amin, and Logan that kind of found this business. Uh, and then Karn was brought in, you know, shortly after that. Um, but yeah, it was the three of us right from the start. Um, and when we brought this to Logan Paul, uh, it was an idea on paper. We had no funding. We had no backing. Like it, it was nothing. Nothing was built out. The technology stack wasn't built out. We were really starting from scratch. And we kind of pitched in the whole idea. And, and immediately he was even like, wow, like this is incredible. 100% I want to get involved. Uh, how I knew him is uh, through mutual friends in the hobby. Um, I was not a friend of his by any means of that word. We were barely acquaintances. I just happened to have a connection through a friend of ours. And, and, and I mean, it, it kind of just took off from there. And, you know, now he's been involved every single day as a co-founder. And and here we are today, finally launched. And, and yeah, we're very excited about the future. And how did uh, how did Karn get involved? So Karn was actually, funny story, Karn was actually one of our, uh, actually, I think he was actually the very first uh, investor and kind of advisor in the business. Uh, Karn kind of took that leap of faith on us when we had nothing. And then he was a friend of mine in the hobby as well. We, we'd bought and sold cards to each other many times over the past couple of years. And uh, yeah, Karn, Karn got involved um, kind of as like the, the first real, real person externally um, uh, getting involved as an advisor. And um, yeah, I mean, he, he took a chance on us. He gave us some money at the beginning and and he's been advising us along the way on, on what we should be doing, what we shouldn't do. And he really has a, a very keen ear uh, to the hobby. And, and we take a lot of direction on, on you know, trends and, and stuff like that from Karn, but couldn't be happier to have him involved. Yeah, he does have his ear to the ground when it comes to the hobby. He was set up right across from me at the Edmonton Expo last weekend. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, we, we were supposed to head there, but we were too busy in the city with launch. So we, we couldn't make it out. But yeah, Karn, Karn said a lot of good things about you and, and that Expo. Yeah, and you had there. Were, you guys had representation there, and then a presence for Liquid Marketplace, which was which was great to see for sure. Karn took a leap of faith on me a couple of years ago too, and was the first person to sponsor the the show. So oh, look at that. Uh, yeah, yeah. And last I week, last week, uh, I gave him a shout out last week because last week was the two year anniversary of Sports Cards Live, and I I gave a special shout out to you, Karn, uh, for being the first person to really show that sort of level of faith in in myself and uh, and the show. So. Uh, we have that in common, Ryan. He he took leaps of faith on 
on both of us. Karin, how's the experience been for you so far with this team and, and Liquid Marketplace overall? Yeah, it, it's been great and uh, watching the team grow. And obviously I was I was there since the start, so I kind of saw it grow like a baby, you know? It was like a, it was a very small, close-knit uh, group of people. And now it's really growing into a real company with a lot of employees. And we're seeing the, the office was a startup office and now we're seeing a bigger office, you know? Yeah. Just seeing that growth, just like we see the growth of Sports Card Live, um, how it was when I was on episode eight, right? From episode eight to episode 137, so many things have grown with this show. And it's the same thing with Liquid Marketplace. There's been so many new innovations, uh, so many great people. And just watching it uh, in real time has been fascinating. And honestly, it, it's, been a, it's been a fun ride. Now, Karn, you and Amin were at the Mint Collective representing Liquid Marketplace. I saw you. I met you there, Amin, you know, about right. a month ago. How was the reception that you guys received at the Mint Collective? And I, I asked that because, and I'm not going to, you know, we can talk about the reception you had at the Edmonton Expo last week too, but a month ago in Las Vegas at the Mint Collective, you had, you know, a lot of the who's who of, of the behind the scenes in the hobby. And so you were obviously observed by many of those people in that context how was liquid marketplace received uh, fantastic uh since our first show that we did first in toronto um which we got a lot of insight about uh who are who's really wants to get involved with our platform who really our users are what we should be showcasing to the vegas show that we did afterwards um we really saw a great progress in both how we're presenting ourselves what we're trying to display uh, we were really taken aback by how uh, welcomed we are in the hobby and how well people want to use this platform. So I really like that a lot. Right on. Very good. Good to hear. Karin, any additional observations from you on that or last week in Edmonton even? Yeah, exactly. I think uh, there's a lot of people that are excited. Um, a lot of people want to uh, learn and understand what we're doing. And uh, that's a big thing, right? The fact that people want to learn and want to be aware of what Liquid Marketplace is doing. I think that's fascinating. If people are walking by and kind of just looking at booths and walking away, that would be different. But uh, everyone that stops and looks at our booth, they, they want to learn more and want to understand what the, the business is all about. And I think that's a, a positive sign. And uh, I think uh, the, both the shows, it, it was a fascinating experience to, to see how many people were interested. Yeah, yeah, truthfully, if I can just add another point there, Jeremy, I, I was uh, not skeptical or hesitant. I don't, I don't know if those are the right words, but, you know, I didn't think there would be as much interest, um, you know, being and having a presence at these events. Obviously, you know, we allow people to co-own, you know, high-valued sports cards for sure. Um, but I, I wasn't sure if the demographic would, would you know, hone in on this. And, and I was completely wrong. The engagement we had was incredible. It was, uh, it was fantastic. Really, really, really uh, interesting experience. Good. Well, good, good to hear. You know, uh, there's there were lots of uh, new companies launching, lots of great ideas in the room, and uh, the Mint Collective really proved to be a great, just just a, a, a great landscape for for those sorts of initiatives and uh, to test to test your idea and to see what kind of response you'd get. So glad Tara went well for you. I'm going to go to a few comments, and we're going to get some more questions. Steve Foley, good evening to you. Proco Taco, good to see you. Richard Zangrillo wants to know, is there a limit to how many tokens someone can buy for any certain asset and what percentage of votes are necessary for a buyout? Great questions, Richard. I asked these guys the same things earlier. So uh, I'll let whoever wants to take this one, take it. Yeah. So, I mean, you can, um, anybody can buy a portion of any asset they'd like. The only time we limit people on what they can buy 
is for our mini drops. Now these mini drops are assets that are valued between 10 to $50,000. Those mini drops, you are limited to 5% per person. Just to make it fair, we don't want any one person manipulating the hobby or manipulating the platform and you know taking advantage of, of different things like that. So you're capped to 5% on the mini drops, but on the larger offerings, uh, at this present moment, there is no cap. We're kind of going to see how that how that works out. Uh, there's no cap on how much you can buy on the larger assets. And um, what percentage of votes are necessary for a buyout? Uh, users or co-owners collectively have to vote 80% in the majority, yes, to sell the asset or to agree to auction it or to agree to accept a buyout. So the users always have to vote majority 80% yes. That's a strong majority. That's uh, it's, it's more. It's much more than fifty plus one. It's much more than two thirds, which we often see. Yeah. I like that. I must say, I like that. We, that we want it to be, you know, as fair as possible. We want it to really be a large portion of the owners that agree to do this. Uh, we don't want anyone to feel jaded or upset if it's like a 60-40. I think at 60-40 or even two thirds, it's still a little bit unfair. I think eighty percent is a nice, a nice round number. And is it? Like, is it 80%? What if it's 79.8%? Not good enough. 79.8, not flying. It's got to be 80, 80 plus one person. Got it. Okay. Good to hear. Good to hear. Uh, JH wants to know, what is the minimum value for a card to be listed on the Liquid Marketplace platform? So this is the beauty of Liquid Marketplace. We're, we're going to be a little bit different, whereas our competitors are taking one way. We're taking a different direction. Everything that we're putting up on Liquid Marketplace is going to be so heavily curated and special. They're going to be very key special pieces of, of assets, you know, special to the hobby, uh, special to any asset class. We don't want to over dilute, you know, our marketplace with just any old card. Um, at the current present moment, aside from our mini drops, which I'd mentioned, our, our cards value between ten and 50000 We only do four mini drops a month just to kind of make it fun and, and, and add some nice perspective cards that we think, you know, have some long-term perspective for, for a long-term collector. Um, but typically, our, our larger offerings are going to value in the six figures, uh, mid to low six figure, figure range and up. So that, that's, kind of the, that's kind of the value we're aiming for. Say anywhere okay. around the 250000 mark and up. Very cool. I have a, a very interesting comment coming up after this next one, which is uh, Brendan Ryan. You're lurking, but good to see you. Uh, Brian Gray, owner of Leaf Trading Card, says this might be very interesting if Liquid teamed up with a manufacturer to create exclusive assets specifically for their platform to tokenize. There you go. We can see see how that goes. Maybe you guys can reach out to each other. Dr. Will you sell tokens in your company? No, no. So that's one thing. One hundred percent, absolutely not. Liquid Marketplace does not have an ICO. We're not doing an initial coin offering. We're not here to you know create a cryptocurrency like like any other technology company that you've seen out there. We're not here to try and capitalize on users buying our, our token like a liquid token. No, that's not how it works. Every single asset on the platform has its own individual. A unique uh, token that that's back to it. So uh, no, Liquid Marketplace does not have any uh, specific tokens. Okay, are you guys going to be set up at the Toronto Expo in June? Yeah, we are. We're, we're planning it right now. Good stuff. We'll see you there. Albert Jones says, which countries are eligible to buy into the to the platform? All of them. You're good to go. Aside from sanctioned nations, Albert, you are good to go worldwide. We're, we're not launching to just the U.S. or Canada. <clears throat> we're available for the for the entire planet to, to take advantage of co-ownership and, and explore liquid marketplace. I mean, that that's a huge uh, differentiator right right there, because uh, yeah. other other fractionalization company collectible who I work with directly um, are only available in the U.S. You have yeah. to have a social security number. So 
Um, this is a definitely something different right there. Richard Zangrillo says, do you own your, uh, several questions here. Do you own your, your vault? Where is it located? How much does it cost to withdraw the card if I were to buy it out? Nice. Good question. Very good question. Uh, no, we don't own the vault. Uh, we've partnered with a third party provider. This third party provider is located in Delaware. It's used by a lot of people within the hobby. It's used by a lot of auctions within the hobby. Um, and, and they house a lot of art um, for some very high net worth individuals out of Delaware. And we use the same vault. So it's the same vaulting services, bank level security, you know, cameras everywhere, the whole nine yards, like I'd mentioned prior. Um, it, it's exact name. We actually can't say the exact name just due to security. Um, but I mean, at the benefit of, of our vaulting system. And this is this is kind of what I wanted to see as a user. And I thought, as a user, what would I want to see in place? Uh, what we did is we went ahead and we had a, another layer of transparency to the business. We worked directly with auditors. We work with a company called MNP. It's okay. Mary, Nancy, Peter. Uh, they're one of the largest accounting firms in the world. Very, very reputable business. Um, MNP goes to our vault. They will verify that all the assets on the platform are in fact on, in the vault secured safely. Uh, and they'll release a document called a SOC compliant document, SOC compliant document. In the accounting word, the world, it's a very significant document. And um, and that document is going to be released on the platform for all our users to interact with and take a look at. So we're really making sure that people know that these assets are stored in the vault. We have external auditors that are going to be verifying all that. And again, everything's insured. So we're taking all the, the necessary precautions to make sure everyone is happy. Okay, comprehensive answer. I love it. I have to call you out on one thing, though. You said MNP, yep. which is Myers Norris Penny. You said three other names. I don't know what you said there. Mary oh. Nancy Paul. Or were you oh, just oh, I just said Michael, Michael Nancy Peter. Yeah. Oh, just, just for the letters themselves. Just for the yeah. letter. Yeah. Cause you know, MNP, MNP sounds so like similar. MN. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and I can verify that MNP is a I don't I think they're international, but they're definitely yeah. they're not they're in are they in the US too as well as yeah. Canada? Yeah. 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 So they're they're a big, a well, well established accounting firm right. uh, that's been around for a long time. So and we work with them on, on compliance issues and a lot of other stuff as well as the vault verification. So we're it's yeah, it's great to hear that you guys are are engaging these professionals. I so those are the accountants. You've you've got some legal opinions on your structure and everything. Who wants to speak a little bit to to that and and how confident you are in the structure? So I don't want to. I don't want to keep boring your users with my voice. Uh, that that's me. Every, everything legal and, and securities wise, you know, I'll, I'll handle all that for sure. Um, yeah. So I mean, Liquid Marketplace is different from a lot of our competitors in a lot of ways. Uh, now the thing with securities and and whether something is considered a security or not, and this is something that you know a lot of people aren't familiar with that word. Like, what's security? Like, is that like a guard or is that this? So securities are are what you call essentially shares in a corporation or or certain assets that have you know inherent value behind it. So, so how liquid marketplace is different structurally than our competitors, for example, is there's a number of things, you know, where our marketing is a little bit different. We don't hold any uh, ownership interests in any of the assets we list. We don't make any investment decisions for our users. Our users are in full control. We're simply just providing a playing field uh, for users to do and interact with however they'd like. So it's, it's not any one thing that makes you a security. It's a number of things grouped together that would make you a security. Um, and, and with liquid marketplace, it's as easy as this. It is simply co-ownership of tangible assets. These tokens are, are a digital representation of the ownership interest in that asset. And yeah, as Jeremy had said, we have a top tier legal team, uh, one in Canada, one in the US. 
both of which are you know highest of the highest of their of their profession and we have legal memorandums and opinion letters you know based on our step-by-step -step process of what liquid marketplace does why they believe it's not a security and and and, and you know we're, we're completely covered on that end with with our lawyers um now now to go a step further jeremy if you don't mind me uh, explaining why it is that collectibles are not securities um, there's no inherent value behind a collectible. And I'll explain what that means. Um, whereas a, a piece of land or a property or a company, you know, companies have, have products that they're going to create in the future. Apple's going to release a new phone one day. They have, they have profits, they have losses, they have margins, they have all this value kind of driving why these, these shares are worth something. With a collectible, you know, a Michael Jordan rookie card isn't going to have children all of a sudden and, and duplicate its card and multiplier or there's no real value add behind them. It's simply a nostalgic, you know, scarcity uh, collectible trade on why people want to interact and buy and sell these things. So that that's kind of where you draw the line between what is a security and what isn't. Um, obviously, as we go down the road and we list stuff like real estate, which we will be doing, we will be listing real estate, people will be able to co-own real estate. Those are very well and, and very much securities. So in that respect, you know, they will be regulated. There will be reporting obligations to the SEC. Um, but for the, for the time being with the collectibles and the art, uh, that, that's the difference between what's a security and what isn't. Okay, good stuff. I'm going to throw out a, a tough question at you. Randy Wilkie says, this sounds like another scam. How do you respond to a comment like that? So, you know, we, we get a lot of comments like that. Uh, this is not this is not the first time we see it, and it definitely won't be the last. And I think that's why a lot of education needs to go in behind the space. People need to understand and get comfortable what co-ownership is. People need to see that, you know, companies that are that are exploring this are very reputable businesses. You know, eBay. eBay went on record the other week talking about how they're going to start exploring fractional ownership and they want to get into it. Public, public uh, is, is a company very similar to Robinhood. They're a trading app. They sell securities on public. They recently bought Otis, which was one of our competitors. Otis is an uh, alternative investment, uh, sorry, alternative asset investment uh, platform, and they were bought out. Uh, public currently has, I think, one or one or three million users, and these users are going to be immediately brought into the world of, of fractional ownership or co-ownership. So, I mean, and, and questions like this or statements like that, they it really comes from a point of you know, skepticism, which is fair. I think it's very healthy to be skeptical of new ideas, but but to look at the other businesses and the other companies that are getting involved in this space, that are exploring the space, and, and you got to really look at the team and who's involved. You got to look at what, what practices they have in place. Do they work with auditors? Are they backed by financial institutions? You know, what are they doing? Like there, there needs to be some sort of level of research that needs to be done. And of course, on the companies and on our end, we do have to provide us a certain level of education to to people that are unsure or, or uneasy about co-ownership. Speak a little bit about the, your, your cap table, who your investors are and sort of, you know, because when we see a word like scam, you know, you, you guys are entrepreneurs, you're trying to do this legitimately. You hear that. I mean, you respond to it very well, but it's not it's it's just not a nice comment in general now whether it's true or not is another story so speak let, let's try and build your credibility here in the in the eyes of this audience absolutely if, you know you've already done a great job talking about myers norris penny being your auditor you didn't name the legal firm i'm sure you're working with with, with a good legal firm if you're working with mnp i can i can I, speak on the legal firm as and well I'm, i just want to, i know you're not messing around you're not working with a rinky dink shop you're working with a with an international powerhouse of an accounting firm i know that i'm an accountant so Speak a bit about uh, the cap table, your your key investors, and who else believes in what you guys are doing. 
So I'll let Amin touch on that part. I'll just quickly state uh, two of our biggest investors right from day one. So at our seed round, uh, before we had you know any platform, before we built out our technology stack, we had approached Canaccord Genuity, which is a really top tier investment bank here in Canada, as well as PI Financial, uh, both of which, you know, they conducted their own due diligence. We've, we've sat down with their teams. They look at our process. They know exactly what it is we've done. And they raised us money at our seed round and at our series A. So you got to really look at, you know, are, are the companies that are doing these initiatives are, and are creating these things, are they backed by institutional banks that hold licenses? Are they backed by these accredited uh, companies where they have accredited investors come into your platform? You know, we're not just taking money off any average Joe on the street. We're taking money from accredited investors, publicly traded companies. We have three or four publicly traded companies that have invested in our business. So there's a lot of people that see the vision of where Liquid Marketplace is going and, and they're taking these, uh, these, these chances on us that we can deliver this. But I mean, a lot of due diligence processes gets involved when when you start taking money from investment banks. But I mean, you can, you can talk further in our cap table. Yeah, absolutely. To like further like Ryan's point, one, I'd like to mention that our CFO, he's a seasoned um, accountant. He was number two at Deloitte. Uh, he's a CPA, highly credited. Our CLO, who's our chief legal officer, he is a former uh, lawyer at Goodman's uh, pr who practiced at and under securities. He actually used to work in the Ontario Securities Exchange. And to further what Ryan was saying about having accredited investors, having iBanks invest in us, you know, at the end, like, you know, a lot of uh, startups and a lot of uh, you know, entrepreneurs can go and like, you know, raise money from friends and family finding like one or two very high net worth individuals who will just write them a check. However, that's not the approach we want to go uh, go after. We want to go after like, you know, really massive institutions who will do their due diligence on who we are, who allow us to partner, who allow us to find great partnership opportunities, who allow us to grow, who will make sure that they basically do their research into what we're doing and make sure that the most accredited individuals come into our platform. Okay. Makes sense. Let's talk a little bit about Logan Paul now, who's obviously he was the third guy in. It sounds like Ryan, when you when yeah. you after you and Amin, you brought in Logan Paul. You explained sort of how you knew him earlier on in the episode. Um, you know, you're gonna just like that last comment. Uh, JH says Logan Paul is shady AF. I mean, this is so so by bringing him in, you're taking on this this um, perception risk that comes along with him as a social media goliath <laughs> i was i'm glad i came up with goliath there because he literally is in terms of his following and his influence and with that you're gonna have your haters you're gonna have your your skeptics your critics and people who are just looking to bash because they have nothing better to do there, there's lots of those people out there as well so let's talk a bit about logan paul and what what's his involvement what was the strategy behind getting him in and and uh what, where do you see him kind of kind of helping out as time goes by so, I mean, yeah, with, with Logan, especially early on in, in the crypto world, I think, you know, he was very excited to get involved with certain projects. Uh, I can speak to this because I do know him personally, and I have heard him say this a few times. Getting involved with bad actors and not realizing it until a later stage can be very detrimental to somebody where maybe he was very well intentioned, but getting involved with certain people due to his own due diligence or due to his own, you know, just being new to the space, didn't have a very clear understanding of what these things were. I think that's how he was taken advantage of in, in, in some aspects. Um, but overall, I mean, very, very sharp guy. He's incredibly intelligent. He, he's definitely not, you know, in my opinion, shady. I think, like I said, being so new in the space, he, he didn't really have a solid foothold in the community and have an understanding of who he was working with potentially. Um, so that that's kind of where, where, where that is. I mean, I can't personally speak to any of the projects 
we're a completely separate project, Liquid Marketplace is, you know, not affiliated to any other project he's been involved with. Um, my whole approach and, and, you know, as we started with this and we started speaking with investment banks and we started getting more and more advisors, they said, you know, Ryan, it, it's very risky to bring a celebrity into the business or someone who's heavily under scrutiny of the public eye constantly. If they do something, if they say something, it could reflect negatively on you. You know, just not just Logan Paul, period, but having any celebrity in any capacity attached to the business is a risky move. Our whole idea and our whole strategy behind that is, is Logan has an audience of 20 million people on Instagram, you know, another 20 million people on YouTube. To have that audience, to be given that stage day one, to really announce to the world who we are, let people know what Liquid Marketplace is, is, is such a rare opportunity for us to go and do that ourselves to get an audience of 20 million would probably take us 10 to 15 years. We would never organically be able to do it. It could even take longer. So having Logan right off the bat from a marketing perspective, not, not only marketing, but you know, he's an incredibly intelligent individual. He's put in a lot of thought and effort into a lot of our own business practices and then some of the ideas. And we use him for a sounding board for marketing strategy, but specifically on his user base, being able to tap into that many people day one and then proving ourselves from that point forward, showing everyone in the community, showing everyone in the hobby that we are well-intentioned, that we are reputable, build out our own reputation and then eventually decouple from Logan. That's kind of our strategy and that's what we're going to do. We're not a business that's disappearing in three months. We're here to stay for the long term. You know, I gave up a very, very prominent business prior to Liquid Marketplace. So did Amin. Karn, you know, is, was pursuing law and now he's full time with us. You know, we've all put aside our past lives to focus on this. And, and this is something we really want, really want to see through and bring across to the communities. We're here to stay. So maybe people have an idea of what we are now because of one individual. But as we stick to what we're doing and prove our worth and show the value of what Liquid Marketplace is, and, and with our education, that will come in time and then people will see uh, the real value of Liquid Marketplace. So is it fair to say then, then like my perception is so far because I've seen, I've seen press releases, I, I, I not press releases so much as the response to press releases by, by different news outlets. I've seen Logan, like in quotes, Logan Paul's new venture, Logan Paul's new NFT. Is he meant to be the face of the company for now? Um, who's the who is the face of the company in your guys' opinion? So he's actually not, in my opinion, the face of the company. He's he's marketing strategy. You know, he's he's uh, our chief strategy officer. Technically, that's what his position is. He's CSO. Um, but no, I mean, he's not he's not meant to be the face of the company. I think because of that initial launch, people people are going to make that kind of connection and do that. But our genuine face of the company is our liquid guide. Uh, Buster, sure. Buster is the face of the company. He's the one that's, you know, presenting the value, educating people. I mean, I'm sure, you know, Buster, he's incredibly well rooted in the hobby. He knows everything and anything about NBA. He, he's, he's one of the other, uh, I think, I believe he founded Hoops Nation, if he doesn't yeah. still control it fully, but Hoops Nation, I mean, he, he's heavily uh, in, invested in the hobby in every capacity. And, and so he's really supposed to be the, the kind of face of the business and the face of our company and kind of walking through people what liquid marketplace is teaching them how to open up an account talking about our assets and and that's really what we want to start showing but i think right from initial launch we've only been launched for two weeks people are going to see logan paul and immediately say oh he's the face of the company but in reality it's uh, it's buster sure our, our liquid guide fantastic yeah, i love him i love I, I do too i i had him on my other show collectible live uh, several months ago just a full of energy guy a real real smart I, I really enjoyed having him on. So that's good to hear the Buster's involved. That that, that says a lot too. He's got a great reputation. Amazing. We've got a couple of questions here from the comments now. Uh, Richard has a next question. He says, is it true that the sealed Pokemon case 
was going to be a liquid marketplace asset or is that just another ridiculous hobby rumor? So uh, funny, funny they say that we were actually scouting, you know, potentially putting that up. Uh, we had a lot of red flags kind of pop up in our own due diligence. So we decided to stay away from that completely. Again, I'm all about transparency. I'm not going to sit here and lie to anybody. Me as CEO, if someone asks me a question, I'm going to answer it very straightforward. Um, there were no direct plans to list it on the platform. We were doing due diligence on it, seeing if it was real. As we started doing that, we started seeing these red flags. And that's when we kind of, you know, mentioned to Logan, you know, this is, this is separate from us. We're going to give you our opinion. Maybe you should open it. Maybe maybe you should take a closer look at it. Maybe you should see it. So that, that's kind of where that led. And I mean, obviously it was, it was fake. We're obviously very happy that our own due diligence and, and our, our verifiers are spot on. Um, but um, I mean, yeah, if it was real, I think it would have been an incredible historical piece um, to put on Liquid Marketplace, but, but no, um, it, was not a, it was not set in stone by any means. Okay, no, I, good to hear that you're doing your due diligence on, on items like that. Yeah. The unopened product world, I think, changed a lot after yeah. that day. So uh, people are going to be much more uh, I don't want to, you know, skeptic. It's like healthy skepticism now when you're going to be looking at these sorts of things. Uh, Bob's big boy says Logan Paul brings more eyes to the platform, added value if that doesn't get abused for quick burn monetization. I agree, 100% agree. Yeah, and that yeah. that was really the whole strategy to having Logan on board. Like I mentioned, you know, he has an incredible platform, and and we get put right in center stage of that, and and we can really utilize that in, in every way that we see fit it's just up to management and it's up to us as a business to, to execute and really bring the value. Amin, I, I noticed you had a, a bit of a reaction to that comment. Anything you want to add? Yeah, hundred percent. It's um, one thing that we also are really focusing on heavily is sure Logan brings a tremendous amount of attention to our platform, but at the same time, we're really trying to keep it up, making sure that it becomes a stable platform. As Ryan said earlier, that we're not gone in three months. We want to stay around for the next 30 years. We want to be around for the long haul. And that's a, that's a very big key takeaway that, you know, hopefully your audience uh, pays attention to is that we're not here for like the short term. We're not here for a quick, quick buck. We really want to build a sustainable and long lasting business. Right on. Makes sense. So let's, let's just play for a minute and say, you said, you know, we want to make sure we're not gone in three months. Let's say you are, let's say for some reason, liquid marketplace goes bankrupt three months, six months, whatever, a year, two years, what security do the token holders have towards the assets that are being stored in your third party vault to make sure that they're not going to, we've seen issues recently in the hobby where assets are, are being, uh, you know, con almost confiscated or held hostage from their owners. I'm not talking about backlogs of grading companies here, I'm talking about other events we've seen the marks, the marks issue. Yeah. What happens if you guys do go bankrupt due to whatever reason? How safe are the token holders' investments? Yep. Yeah, no, and this is an awesome question. I love when people ask this um, because it really shows how much thought we've put into this, even in the unfortunate event if Liquid Marketplace were to go insolvent because of who we work with on the auditing side and on the legal side, we have structures in place that if we do happen to go bankrupt or, or Liquid Marketplace shuts down, whatever, and those assets stored in the vault you know, are tied up essentially and kind of there, there is a process that auditors will get 
pulled into the picture. Uh, they take everything out of the vault, they auction it off. And, and based on the smart contract, and here's again, the benefit of tokenization, having everything recorded on the blockchain, all of that ownership is recorded. It doesn't go away. You can't duplicate it. You can't hide it. You can't fudge it. It's all right there. All the ownership is recorded. And, and, and you know, auditors will take these assets, put them into an auction. Everything will be liquidated. And then the proceeds are divided to all the token holders. So it really is as easy as that. Okay. Very good. Very good explanation. Karn, you're, you're, you came onto this team originally as an investor because you believed in what these guys were building. And now you've, you've I, 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 and again, Correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like you believe in it so much that you've made it into your career. I don't know if you're full time, part time or or most of the time, but, you know, how you obviously put up capital. You got to know these guys, uh, you know, as objectively as possible. You know, how confident are you in this team? And this sounds like a silly question because, I mean, you're here representing them, but say something about, to that effect just to to show your confidence? Well, I went through four years of undergrad with legal studies. I went through three years of law school at Queens University. Um, I worked at a law firm. Uh, I was getting paid good money at the law firm and I dropped it all to go to Liquid Marketplace. I think that's, and when we're, when we're talking a legal career, um, dropping out a legal career, a lot of people hear about the golden handcuffs. You don't see a lot of people doing that. Um, it, with law, you go through rigorous um education for seven to nine years and i did it all passed the bar got certified as a lawyer and now liquid marketplace came along and that's how confident i am in this in this company that i i dropped it all to to come here yeah that says a lot so karn still with you uh the office the where where is the the company's located in toronto is that correct yes and how many employees uh, are, are walking around the offices these days? Or, you know, how many employees are there? Not everybody comes to work. There's a lot of remote these days, but how many employees at the company right now? Well, our initial office, uh, we actually didn't even have, uh, we didn't have room anymore for the number of employees that we had. So uh, we actually just moved into a new office this past Monday. And uh, what's the exact number, Ryan? I think- 18, uh, 18, 18 full-time. 18 full-time employees. So this is a, this is a real company with real hardworking people every single day uh, working on this uh, project day in, day out. So it's not uh, it's not just us three that are creating this platform. It's it's a whole team. 18 full-time in our Toronto office, and we have about 45 worldwide that are working as contractors. Okay, okay. So actually, uh, at, at a little, little point, I think since we're in April now, March, since the end of February, and now it's getting even more, we've been hiring one new person a week just to keep expanding the team because we're growing so fast. Okay, very cool. Now, if somebody wanted to come visit the office, let's say, uh, see for themselves what the office is like, meet some of the people, uh, I guess there's no way to visit the vault itself. Uh, that would that would just not be um, in line with security measures, but are you, do you guys have offer office tours as, as, a, as an option if somebody wanted to come and check it out? someone wants to and they they travel to toronto by all means i'll meet them at the door and walk them in 480 university avenue suite 1703. there Come you go back. well that, i mean that's nice to know university, that university here i'll even i'll go another step university in dundas right above saint patrick's station in the heart of downtown come on by and there's a gym there's toronto. a gym connected so i'm gonna start going to the gym on monday so if anyone wants to uh come and uh, lift some weights let me know <laughs> okay good good all right 
couple of comments I'm just going to read out here. Bob's big boy says that uh, Logan Paul brings more eyes to the platform, added value. If Oh, we already did that one. Sorry about that. Um, Brendan Ryan wants to know, will we see unlicensed cards on the platform? Um, be, be a little bit more specific on that one. I mean, unlicensed in what respect? I mean, all of all of the assets, you know, go through a very stringent verification process. Um, I mean, I don't I don't see personally why we wouldn't have unlicensed cards. I, I just maybe a little bit more context. What specifically? Yeah, let's wait and see if uh, if he expands on that. Uh, JH says you guys told Logan to open it. Good thing he listened on the Pokemon box for sure. I like this question. This next question from Dr. He says, "What is the technology threat that keeps you guys up at night?" Oh, I can see this is the one you haven't had to field yet. Um, this is this is definitely a min question. Yeah, no. What keeps us up at night in technology? Um, you know, just like any new uh, platform, it's always finding that bug you didn't know you had to test for. Mm. And really when you, and it's fascinating how people use your platform in ways that are incredibly unpredictable. You, you think you build the best UI, you think you're building the best UX, you think you've navigated enough. And then some person clicks a button in a million ways that you're like, why would you do this? I don't understand. Why would you click a button like that? And then they're like, oh, okay, I guess. And then you have to go and fine tune it and you got to fix it. It's these types of things that keep me up at night. It's like, oh my God, is someone using our platform in a, in a way that what well, was an intended for, or they're finding like loopholes around something. Um, and it's brilliant. I love it from a technology side. And I've even seen people like in our Discord chat, we have a huge Discord community that it's like, you know, they're the best bug detectives there are. Honestly. Ways to like unhide something, find like a small little back door. And it's like, okay, that's cool. Well, I'm going to patch it in 30 seconds. Thanks for letting me know. I appreciate it. And so, honestly, um, I might uh, keep them up at night sometimes too, because I'll I'll be using the platform and I'll uh, come up with a new idea and I'd be like, hey, let's add this little feature or let's add that there. You know what I mean? So we're always constantly testing the platform and, and it's in beta for that reason, right? You want to you want to find the best user experiences possible. So I think uh, just constantly improving and figuring out ways to create that experience and improving it. That's what keeps up at, us up at night. And I think the fact that we're able to really listen to our community and what the users are interested in and then make those changes and implement them, I think that's where we're really going to set ourselves apart from our competitors. Uh, I mean, I say this all the time to, to investors, to, to our, my own team even, to my UI UX designing team. I tell them how our platform looks right now is not how it's going to look in six months. This is going to be an ever-evolving beast. It's going to be ever-changing. Our job doesn't end just because we've pushed to market. Now it's about changing it and making it better every single day. So I think how it looks right now and how it looks in a year is going to be completely different. Yeah, and, it looks, and how it's going to look that year from the next year, also different. It's once, always going to be improving, getting better. Once you stop improving your platform, you start to die. That's That's my... That's Absolutely. my outlook on things. You always have to be looking to continuous improvement on what you're doing in, in any area in life for that matter. Okay, we're going to run through some more comments here. Uh, Cooper Aaron says, I got so much of that Austin Matthews card. Thank you so much, Liquid. I couldn't find that card anywhere in the hobby. Buying more as we speak. That card is so hard to find. Thank you, team. There's a very happy customer right there. That's funny. Okay. Cooper. That was awesome. Thank you. Thank I, I appreciate it, Cooper. Thank you so much for your support. We appreciate it. And join our Discord. If you're not in the Discord yet, join it, Cooper. 
Well, speaking of the Discord right here, hey, fellas, it's Tanito from Discord swinging by to say, hey, keep up the great work. Huge potential for this. Really happy to own a fraction of the Pikachu Illustrator. I've always wanted. Keep at it. That's a nice encouragement right there. Back to Cooper says, congrats. You're doing a great job so far. I love it so much. I'm a crypto hodl in the Discord. Oh, I am crypto hodl in the, in the Discord. Good stuff. <laughs> Thanks, Cooper. For, oh, he's got more comments coming here. Um, here we go. DR says, if someone wanted to work for you, what do you look for in future teammates? Um, I think really just, just people that are willing to take initiative and go above and beyond. I mean, and anyone can work a nine to five job truthfully, but it's about having that heart and, and wanting to see this vision fulfilled. I'm, I'm happy to say that everyone that we've brought on board as an investor, as an advisor, as an employee, they all are very passionate about what we're doing. And I think, you know, what we're looking for in future teammates are, are people that are just as passionate about what we're doing as we are. And I think that's the only way this thing builds. I don't think anyone that's unhappy with what we're doing or, or doesn't genuinely like the product uh, working here, I don't think provides any value. I think we have a very selective uh, uh, representation of, of, of employees. And I think we're going to continue doing that. Passion, buy-in, being aligned with the, the vision and the, the, the mission of the company all, all makes good sense to me. Uh, Cooper says here, are you planning to launch these tokens on a decentralized exchange on Bitcoin or Ethereum? We touched on this earlier, but Amin, I'll let you uh, respond to this. Um, at the current moment, um, we have not considered putting on a decentralized exchange. Um, we are working on it. We have deals with other exchanges that we're working through to be able to push that uh, feature out. But at this current moment, it's not moving to a decentralized exchange, but it will uh, after we figure out a few other technology uh, levers, we will be. There you go, Cooper. Thank you for that. Amen. Hits and Chick says, I'm so liquid, it's insane. I'm more liquid than the ocean baby. Uh, Blue Eyes Persian, I only want one thing now, aside from more Pikachu illustrators, one of those hoodies, let's go liquid. You, you might have to settle for a t-shirt here, Blue Eyes, but uh, we'll see what they how, how they hook you I'm up. Actually, working on it. We're working yeah, on we're it. working on that. <laughs> There you go. There you go. All right. There's the there's an option for some additional utility. A, a very well-known catchphrase in this whole world of digital digitalization, uh, tokenization of of assets. And uh, Lapper, by the way, Lapper, I'm going to bring up Lapper's question, which he had asked a while ago, and I've had it start. And don't worry, I was getting to your first version of it, but we'll bring it up right here. He goes. He says the typical old school collector is somewhat entrenched in the way they collect. Who is the target demographic for the platform? So what we really saw was 18 to 36 is, is really the, the the massive user that we have. But we've seen people, you know, all the way to 67, uh, 70 even have signed up on the platform. And, and even interest at a lot of these expos, we had a lot of very, very engaging individuals that were, you know, in, in, in the in the in the more mature of years who were very interested in what we were doing, who were very engaged in what we're doing, who saw the potential long-term, you know, uh, being forward, being forward thinking. And, and I mean, I don't think this is, is stuck with any one specific demographic. If we do our job right and we educate appropriately and, and we kind of teach people through that initial learning curve, I think it's a platform really for anybody, but immediately off the bat, based off the data that we have, um, it looks like the, the bulk of our users are between 18 and 36. Okay, there you go, Lapper. And Raj Deep says, just dropping in to say hello. I believe in you guys. Keep it up. Very nice. Thank Cooper you. wants to know, can I buy that merch? One day, yes, very soon. 
one day very soon. Perfect. Okay, I, I received a question via direct message here. I'm just going to find that on my phone really quickly, and I'm going to read it to you. Um, and I did give you guys a heads up on this earlier, but I'm going to read it out loud again so that uh, the audience can hear and you guys can address it. And and again, um, maybe re recenter re the question if you need to. But he basically says, I guess the main question is, how does price move without a bid or an ask? We're talking about the secondary market now on the trading of the tokens. He says, my tokens literally just went up 24% because someone just bought some more of the card. This card's value is now over $55,000 from 16.2K initial offering. And we're talking about the Austin Matthews clear cut that Cooper uh, very happily bought into. Uh, he goes on to say, clearly not because in terms of the increase in value, he says, clearly not because of increased demand with 40% of tokens still available. Really confusing. Please explain. So um, go ahead. So so for, for assets on the platform, once they hit the platform, initially there's that offering. That's kind of where tokens are available for people to buy. Um, I think this this user or this individual is talking about the secondary marketplace uh, by him saying there's still 40% available. Um, for that Austin Matthews card specifically, it sold out in three seconds or four seconds, three or four seconds. Um, so, I mean, he wouldn't have had an opportunity to see 40%. Um, and, and for the price to fluctuate, it doesn't fluctuate in the offering. It's a set price. People buy uh, tokens at 10 cents uh, for the initial listed value of that asset. And then once it goes to the secondary marketplace, very much like, you know, the world of collecting, people pay what they're willing to pay to own a portion of that asset. And, and why I think that card exploded in value is because of its scarcity, because of how low pop it is, because of how incredibly difficult it is to find that card anywhere in the world. You really can't. It's very hard to find that card in the world. And, and you know, obviously the, the premium that comes along with fractional ownership. So um, I think when he saw 40% of the tokens were available, that could have been the number that he saw available in the secondary marketplace. So these are other users that are selling their ownership. Maybe they have, you know, uh, they have it listed up at, at, I don't know, 10 cents, 20 cents, 30 cents, whatever. But anytime someone lists uh, their ownership for sale, we do show that number in the secondary marketplace. So it's very possible he saw that people had listed 40% ownership in that asset in that secondary marketplace to be bought up. So um, if he saw an increase in price, it's because people were buying and, and that corresponds to the demand. So you got, okay, thank you for that explanation. Lapper, that was Lapper that asked it and he uh, thanks me for that. You, you're welcome. Um, that I'm taking this as a sign of liquidity on your secondary market. You guys only launched a couple of weeks ago. Yep. Can you speak to the volume of liquidity that is already being happened, that is already happening, the, 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 the level of transactions on the secondary market? So yeah, we've only been launched for two weeks. And I think the fact that people are already transacting that secondary marketplace, uh, a bunch of liquidity to an extent based on the users that we have. I mean, we're blown away by the numbers. Uh, I mean, do you mind if I share them, Amin? Can I share some? No, no, go ahead. So, I mean, currently we have about 60,000 signups on the platform, which is incredible considering how niche fractional ownership is. And we already have 60,000 signups, you know, right out the gate uh, on a day-to-day -day basis, on a regular basis, there's anywhere from six to 8,000 people interacting on our platform. So, I mean, there's a ton of liquidity. And I think as we continue to scale and as we continue to educate and as we continue to have, you know, news articles come out in Times Magazine and New York Times, I just gave two interviews to those articles uh, just a few days ago. Um, as, as the more awareness grows for what liquid market places um, and, and, you know, users increase, 
um, we're going to have even more liquidity. So it's very, very encouraging to see, you know, how many people are interested in collecting these things already. And, and we're very excited to see how it continues to grow. Yeah, as am I, definitely. Um, before, I mean, I'm going to come back in one second. I just want to address Lee's comment here. It says, I just joined five minutes ago. This seems like all jibber jatter to me. I want a card in my hand. Sorry, that's just me. No worries, Lee Haskins. Like, you know, not everything's for everybody, right? And as far as uh, the show tonight, I will be doing an after hours episode in about uh, 23 minutes or so that on the next half hour. And uh, it'll be less less tech talk and more more uh, card talk, if you will. But uh, but these guys are doing a great job of bringing something in, new into the into the hobby landscape. And uh, I wanted to make sure that we had a chance to understand it. But uh, Lee, thanks for joining. Uh, DR says one idea to think about as you might as you grow might be to hire one person as an in-house skeptic and also a non-tech savvy collector. They can help you con convert the masses. Brendan Ryan says a CSO, a chief skeptic officer. LOL. Um, who wants to speak to those comments? I think I think there's some decent points there. No, I, I like all of them, um, especially the first one. Um, if you could throw it back up, yeah, there you go. Uh, no, the, the one prior, actually, sorry. Uh, the, 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 the one prior to that, oh, uh, Lee Haskins over here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. so that one. Um, I mean, Lee must be one of the very privileged and, and fortunate individuals that can buy a $3 million LeBron James card, for example, or or a $1.8 million Pikachu Illustrator card. But I mean, the, the reality, Lee, is, yeah, of course, a lot of people do like the physical aspect. They do want to be able to physically feel and hold something and and, and see it. And that's why we have, you know, our, our yearly exhibit. Um, every Everyone that's a token holder or a co-owner on the platform will be invited to an exclusive liquid marketplace event that actually houses all the assets that we have on our platform. You'll be able to interact with them, take a look at what you own. Um, but I mean, outside of that, when a group of 10 guys buys a card, you know, they're not all taking turns and, and holding it and owning it. And you know, having, having that feeling that you own a piece of it hits that nostalgia point, still hits that collector point. You know, I own a card with Karn and I never saw it. You know, we bought a, a hockey card together. I've never even touched it, but I know I own it. And, and I take a lot of pride in that. And I think it's the same, same aspect on the platform. Uh, as the next one, you know, the skeptic, hire a skeptic. I think that's an awesome idea. I think we should absolutely do that. I mean, we should look for someone who's skeptical in, in the business, show them the value. Once we convert them, they'll be able to put that together in marketing. In fact, I'm going to look for a, a marketer who's a skeptic in what we're doing. And, and I think... Uh, I think that'd be very beneficial. I think it's a really. I actually love that idea. Love that. Comment. That's a very, very smart comment. I like that. I'll actually add to this, um, and I think we said this to one of our like pitches we had recently, right? Is we are starting to not like people who agree with us. I actually yeah. don't like that at all because then you don't start growing. You're just hearing what you want to hear. Yeah. We want to start hearing what people disagree with us about or what they think we're not doing right. So we can make what we're doing even better. So that's a fantastic idea. And 100% um, come Monday, we're going to start looking for an individual that could be our CSO or our chief skeptic officer. Yeah. Could have coined a, a whole new position uh, in the economy now, right? That's right. Good stuff, DR. Looks like you had an impact on these guys tonight. Okay. Some more comments here. Lapper says, so the marketplace is secondary. Okay. Where can I find initial offerings? right in the offerings tab so right at the top top left um you'll see offerings you click that tab you'll see all the current offerings on liquid marketplace very very easy to sign up guys just head to liquidmarketplace.io takes three minutes to sign up and fully verify yourself maybe even less if you're if you're good with a computer 
Um, but yeah, the secondary marketplace is located in the Pro Exchange Lapper, where the offerings for initial cards that come onto the platform uh, and that initial point of sale is located in the offerings page. All right, good stuff, good stuff. And I guess the initial offerings, if they are only lasting seconds, then you just have to be there waiting to go, right? I mean, you may not even get in on the initial offering. There's demand, it seems. For, for the lower valued cards so of some like really key scarce pieces, yeah, absolutely, it's seconds. Uh, we do have some of the bigger ticket items that are still available in the offerings, so users can go take a look. There are still assets available in the offerings. Okay, good stuff, good stuff. Lee, appreciate that comment back from you. Goes on to say, thanks for the response. Great response. I understand both sides. I collect Ichiro. What is up with you? Welcome to the show. How are you doing tonight? Blue Eyes Persian says, one day and slowly I'll buy up the Pikachu Illustrator tokens to get 100%, even if it takes my whole life to do so. Well, you have a lifelong customer right there in Blue Eyes Persian. Amen. Very, very nice Thank you, from you. Brend uh, where to go? Right here. Brendan Ryan says, should be able to visit the card virtually, which, uh, how speak to that. How can the token holders enjoy I mean, you, you take that one. I feel like I'm talking too much. No, that's okay. It's actually interesting you say, you say that, Brandon. Um, one of my friends who owns a, actually a mutual friend of myself, Ryan, who owns a, uh, a studio, uh, actually started a virtual studio where basically with uh, your VR goggles and even through the computer, you can actually walk through this virtual studio and look at every single uh, painting and piece that uh, this individual has drawn. Um, Ryan, maybe we can basically take a page out of that notebook and have a virtual studio and you can walk through this place and see these cards. Great yeah. idea. Yeah. yeah. And again, you mentioned you're an annual sort of uh, get together yeah. or event where you Physically. will bring them out of the vault and put them on the Physical event. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. An exclusive sort of thing. Awesome. Okay. Lee Haskins says, do you think this type of collecting will hurt the physical card market or bring in more people? Truthfully speaking, I think if we do our jobs and we really market this appropriately and teach people about the hobby, it will bring more. And the reason why I say, I say this, um, I'm not in the Discord often, but when I am, I, I really try and interact with everyone that I can. I really try and take as much feedback from these guys as possible. And I saw one individual, I don't remember his username, but he was saying, you know, starting on Liquid Marketplace and, and buying these Charizards in the Pokemon box, it got me back into Pokemon and I'm actually collecting Pokemon again. And then I followed up and, and I saw a later comment and he took a picture of this, this little corner in his room and now he has a bunch of Pokemon merch, Pokemon cards. He has all this different like modern and, and vintage stuff. So, I mean, yeah, I really do think it will bring people to the physical side as well. Absolutely. And, you know, in my opinion, I've taught, I talk a lot about fractional doing work with collectible. I don't think it's one or the other. I don't think you have to do one or the other. I mean, I'm a, I'm a diehard card collector and I like to have them, you know, in hand for the most part. Uh, it wouldn't stop me from investing on, on a fractional platform because it's a different type of experience in the hobby a different a different deployment of my capital within the hobby it yep. does it's you know it may take a few bucks out of one thing but i'm still going to go after the cards i want to own 100 percent of uh and i'm not going to let any expenditures in fractional take away from what i want to own 100 percent of uh that, that's just my approach so i see room for i can see how these things can exist together and both could thrive um that, that's just my view though I guess Absolutely. time will tell. Absolutely. Sean Math says, Karn, congratulations on the Ovechkin one of one. I think he's talking about the dual shield with Sidney Crosby from 0607 The Cup, which I saw on your Instagram. 
Well, so are you hunting for the other one of ones in the set? See, I think uh, I'm buying too many Ovechkin one of ones because I think he's talking about the PMG gold. <laughs> oh, my bad. My bad. Okay, there you go. But uh, yeah, the, thank you. Thank you, Sean. And uh, everyone knows how much I hunted for that card. So it was uh, great to, to get, get it in Edmonton there. And uh, yeah, I think I, I think I'm done hunting. I got the ones I wanted. I got Austin Matthews. I got uh, Ovechkin. That's all I need. So yeah, I'm happy with it. This guy's cornering the market. <laughs> well, I got the McDavid up uh, in auction right now, but uh, that was to pay for the Ovechkin. Uh, big Ovechkin fan, big Matthews fan. So yeah, got those two. Albert Jones says, when will an app be available? Developing it right now. Our, develop our developers are working on a lot of different things, updates for the platform, but the, the app is one in that we're working on. I don't want to give a definitive timeline, but could be anywhere between the next six to 12 months. Okay. I'm just going to bring, Skeppy says, Jay Lee, that's me. I'm really interested to get thoughts from these guys. Hopefully my question above came through. Uh, I, I don't know, Skeppy. Um, I, I've been getting to most of the comments tonight. I, I'm not sure if uh, if I got to yours or not. So well, you go on to say you're mobile tonight, in and out. So we probably did. Oh, Jeff McMahon lets me know. Great show, he says. And my flames are up 2 nothing. Nice to see. And Sean Mav confirms the Ovechkin gold uh, PMG, the PMG Gold 101 that Karn picked up recently that, uh, that, that the news got out through the hobby pretty quickly on that. Um, Lee Haskins, we did touch on, I'll bring it up again. Is there any concern I've heard lately of a company who has virtual fractional cards in a vault, go bankrupt and cards are somewhat in limbo? So we did talk about this about 10, 15 minutes ago already, but uh, uh, Ryan, do you want to just sort of touch yeah. on it? Really, really quickly summarize it again. Yeah, um, the auditors we work with and the legal teams that we work with, again, we, we said about 15 minutes ago, if you guys want to scroll back and hear the more detailed version. Uh, yeah, in the event we ever go bankrupt, <clears throat> the auditors come in place, they, they take the assets out of the vault and they auction it off uh, because ownership is recorded on the blockchain and that's the benefit of tokenization. Uh, the funds from the auction from the assets in the vault will get uh, divided equally or, or based on whatever people's ownership uh, equates to. So we, we've thought of everything, worst case scenarios, everything, uh, and we have a, we have our users covered. Your users are covered. And how can your users, besides taking your word for it on this show tonight, where can they go to do their own real due diligence to know that they are protected? Um, I mean, we like I had mentioned, you know, on a quarterly basis, the, the auditing documents that we get from MNP will be put up onto the platform. That's actually coming out in our most recent update. Um, within the next couple of days, uh, our users will be able to interact with those documents. So they'll be able to verify that the assets in the vault are in fact on the platform. Um, in terms of, you know, due diligence on on, on company practices or, or um, you know, who some of the people are, are involved, they would have to kind of do that own you know, due diligence on their own. We provide everything that we can, but outside of that, uh, con convincing people that we are genuine is something that they'll kind of have to, you know, look into everyone involved and look into the companies involved and, and kind of make their own conclusion on that. But yeah, those documents will be available for users very, very soon. On the platform. That's a great place to, to put them up. Right there. on the platform. Yeah. Raj Deep wants to know, is it going to be available for iOS and Android or just iOS? The, the the app will the app be available for android and apple or just apple i mean both both we're gonna have both, both on the app and an android app perfect perfect blue eyes persian here says i've spent over 100k in pokemon Yu-Gi-Oh and dragon ball z cards i still see the potential in this platform because the community and sharing of experiences 
adds to the value from collecting tokens too. Yeah, I mean, it, the hobby is so much more than just the cards, you know. Some people say the hobby is the people. Some, some people say the hobby is the community. I don't know how, how you just differentiate between those two, but I mean, the hobby is so much more than just the these things we collect. It, it's, 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 I call it hobbying. You know, hobbying is, there's so much, so many different aspects and ways to hobby. And one of them is taking part on these, uh, on fractional platforms. Um, okay. Uh, oh, here's the comment from Skeppy that I, I did miss above. How would liquid marketplace pivot around geopolitical energy regulations, increased fees or power policies, et cetera? So like Amin had mentioned earlier, we're currently building on Ethereum. All the tokens are on the Ethereum blockchain, really just to provide, you know, an extra layer of validity. People know what Ethereum is. They've heard what Ethereum is. There's a ton of liquidity on Ethereum. It's not going away anytime soon. If for whatever reason we do have to transition to another blockchain due to these energy concerns because fees are too expensive or, or what what have you, regulations, whatever, uh, yeah, we would we would transition to another blockchain and it would be a very easy process. Okay, I hope that addresses that for you, Skeppy. And uh, I gotta say, we have a big win for us all here uh, with the next comment I'm gonna bring up because Lee Haskins has to say, this actually might be the first video he's watched on virtual fractional cards that is not making him angry. Kudos to us, guys. That's, that's awesome. Wow. Thank you. Thank you, Lee. And I promise we do not know who Lee Haskins is. Yes. Not a paid comment. We have no clue who he is. That's awesome. He's a regular. He's a regular watcher of the show. And uh, so I, I, I'm sure he I'm sure he doesn't know. You don't know who he is, but uh, that's why it's a big win because Lee, Lee knows what Lee likes. Okay. So I appreciate Good. that. Thank, thank you, Lee, and thank you so much for tuning in. I'm, I'm happy you could be here with us today. Definitely. Thank you. Okay, we have comments. We have more comments coming in. We're going to get through these comments, and then we're going to wrap this up in about five minutes, everybody. Steve Menzi, who uh, who hey. runs the hey. Sport Card Expo in Toronto and Edmonton, says, well done, guys. Congrats on bringing Liquid to Life, and excited to have you at the June Expo in Toronto. Very, very good. Ich I collect Ichiro says, any thoughts on consigning a card for someone that has rare cards and wants to offer up a card for fractional ownership? So that that's a good question that I have too, is are you only taking, are you taking consignments? Are you buying the card and then reselling it in token form? How does that work? So, so we, we don't purchase any assets. Uh, Liquid Marketplace does not own any assets listed on the platform. We simply find people, you know, through our network distribution, through our director of assets, Shine150, who, that's his Instagram handle, through people like Karn, uh, some of our other advisors. Um, and, and we basically convince people to sell them on Liquid Marketplace. So these people are selling directly to our users. The funds flow directly from the users to the person selling, and then that person is free to withdraw those funds. Um, uh, in terms of co consign, um, consigning cards onto the platform, we are exploring, you know, a listed button where people can submit assets just just so that we can you know see what's out there and see if there's anything amazing that we've missed or that we, we couldn't track down ourselves through our networks um like i mentioned though everything listed on liquid marketplace is going to be so heavily curated they're only going to be very key special pieces to the hobby or to the world uh culturally or media relevant uh sort of assets um but i mean yeah we are we are going to be exploring um that that, that feature eventually soon okay good stuff uh, Birds on the Bat says, can the number of tokens change that are assigned to a certain asset or is it fixed once it's uh, once it's uh, the offering is closed? Fixed supply. The number of tokens cannot be changed at all. We can't add more. Um, it is it is what it is. It is what people see. Okay. And then next up, Sean Singh has two comments here. He, he says, 
how much of a premium would you expect when you tokenize an asset? His previous comment reads as follows. I noticed there's a LeBron 2003 exquisite BGS9 that is listed with a market value of 2.4 million, the same card in the same grade. I wonder if it's the same card in the same grade, like was the exact same card or a different card out of 99 because not all LeBrons are, are equal. Anyway, he says the same card in the same grade sold for just uh, just under 1.1 million a few weeks ago on Golden. Yeah, no, I think with that specific card that sold on Golden, uh, you really got to take a look at the patch, the patch on that card. And I think there was some other stuff behind that card, if I'm not mistaken, Karn. Some yeah, kind of um, I don't think, uh, I think there, there's some sort of mistake in, mistake in the value as well. I don't think any uh, BGS9 sold for 1.09 either. I think uh, the last sale was uh, 1.8 plus. Okay. And also, also you got to take into consideration the patches. Yeah. The patch on our card, that's on Liquid Marketplace, not our card, but the, the individual that listed it on our platform. Um, that patch is incredibly desirable. It's a tricolor patch. It's a beautiful patch. Um, and I mean, it's a, a, a number nine to 99. Some people find that a desirable number. So there's a couple, a couple factors that, that come and play. The auto is incredibly sharp. So a couple of different things that, that you know, justify prices here and there. I, I'm I'm looking for that card personally. I've been been looking for a VGS nine. I'm like certain that uh, that number I would have bought. I probably would have tried to get it at that number to be honest. So, okay, well that's fine. We 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 can't take everything as as gospel that we see come yeah. through the chat, but uh, fair enough. Okay, guys, this has been really enlightening for me. Uh, it seems like uh, we have a good team here behind Liquid Marketplace, from what I can tell, and uh, you know, wish you guys the best with it. Um, I'm gonna. We're gonna go for another. Literally, we have one minute left in the show. So, final comments from the chat. No questions. I'm not gonna take any more questions at this point in time. Uh, so, we we'll wait for any of that to come up. Uh, I'm gonna put the final word to you guys, Ryan, Amin, Karn. Any final comments from you guys before we, we end this? I, I just want to thank everyone for for taking the time. You know, spending an hour and a half with us today. We're really, really happy to do this. And you know, I'm, I'm hoping one day, Jeremy, you'll invite us back and. We'll have another amazing conversation but i mean just just take a look at what we're going to do don't trust us just take a look at what we're doing and we'll deliver the value for you guys yeah i appreciate those comments and uh and i i encourage people to to do that you don't have to get involved if you don't want to but observe and if, if there comes a time when you like what these guys are doing and it, and it does incentivize you or encourage you to 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 throw some to throw a few bucks at, at one of the offerings hey go forward at that point but we are not here uh, soliciting any of that just here to share the information and introduce these guys to the audience amin final comments from you yeah like you no know, as ryan said and i really appreciate the support from your show today uh it was amazing and further to expand is our community I'm, I'm blown away i really love the love and the support and the encouragement it, that's what keeps us going thanks a lot everyone thank you karn yeah i think um i think uh, we're gonna work every day to make uh, liquid marketplace a fantastic experience and uh it's it's been a fun ride and uh, thank you for having us jeremy yeah you bet guys all right final i'm gonna run through lee haskins enjoy to thank you lee i'm glad you did thank you skeppy for taking part blue eyes persian says appreciate you guys keep spreading the love good job welcome to the show blue eyes brendan ryan thank you so much thank you lapper and proco says First time tuning into the live. I was a bit late, but great show. Love learning about Liquid Marketplace. Seems like you guys have a great team behind it. Really nice way to finish off right there with that, Proco Taco. Great to have you on the live for the first time. I always like when a, someone who watches it in reruns or, or listens to the podcast comes on to the live to enjoy the show. That's going to end it, guys. I'll be back live in about five, ten minutes on After Hours. Got a few things to go over there, so come join me. 
Uh, just watch the channel. I'll be going live again very soon once I fill up my water. That's it, everyone. Good night. You three hang tight right there. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.